Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 43rd episode of 2022. Before we kick off, I'd like to thank our thank Nokia, our, the gold sponsor for Fiber for Breakfast. This morning's um, the Fiber Broadband Association and WI, the Wireless Infrastructure Association, issued a joint press release announcing that the organizations have entered into a workforce collaboration agreement to advance critical workforce education and training for the broadband industry. In short, FBA and WIA are teaming up to really ramp up our fiber optic technician program to all 56 states and territories. Um, FBA is gonna provide the training and WIA is gonna administer the apprenticeships of part of that training under the TIRAP program. And that's the, um, Telecommunications Industry Register Apprenticeship Program that's all um, nationally accredited with the Department of Labor. FBA and WA will collaborate on workforce development as we work to ensure that we have the boots on the ground to get all this fiber deployed for the NTI bead program. Speaking of education, our next regional Fiber Connect workshop will be in Columbus, Ohio on November 3rd, which is coming up very quickly. You know, this event's already surpassed all of our previous um, regional events on every measure, so you're not going to want to miss that. Also, um, you know, when we get to today's Fiber for Breakfast session, um, our session is titled Commitment to Serve Yields Sky High NPS with Paul Cronin, the CEO of i3 Broadband. You know, the last two weeks at Fiber for Breakfast, we've had the battle between the rural broadband experts. We had Jonathan Chambers of Connexon versus Larry Thompson at Vantage Point. You know, and Jonathan was claiming that it's gonna cost somewhere between 2,000 to 2,500 per location to connect unserved um, communities with fiber. Um, so that he says NTIA bead funding is plenty to do the job. Larry Thompson, on the other hand, is arguing that bead is not enough and his estimates suggest it's gonna take roughly $450 billion to connect everyone. The good news is that both of these experts are adamant that fiber is the best choice for long-time investment. Today, our Fiber Breakfast session is titled Commitment to Serve Yields Sky-High Net Promoter Scores with Paul Cronins, the CEO of i3 Broadband. Paul Cronins joined i3 Broadband as the Chief Executive Officer in February of 2021. Paul is a longtime cable and broadband industry veteran with strong experience leading both large-scale operations, and smaller business units in startup and turnaround environments. Prior to joining i3 Broadband, Paul spent 20 years with Cox Communications, serving most recently as a senior vice president of operations in the Atlantic corporate office. He also has held the positions of senior, broad, or senior vice president and general manager of Cox's Northeast region. In these roles, he led all facets of operations from customer care, field installation, and repair outside plant, um, government and community affairs, customer experience at the regional and corporate offices. He holds an MBA from Providence College and a BS or bachelor's in business administration uh, from Plymouth State University in New Hampshire. So welcome, Paul, 
and, we're, and please, for our audience, please type your questions as we go, and we'll work them into the Q&A. Well, with that, I'd like to turn it over to Paul to get things rolling. Hey, good morning, Gary. Uh, thanks for uh, having me today and get a chance to talk a little bit about I3 Broadband and in our mission and our journey. And just tell you that uh, as a company, we've been around a little bit longer than probably folks suspect. As you can see back in 94, uh, it was under the name Bitwise and really was a dial-up internet provider. And uh, through the years, uh, ownership changed a couple of times and the mission changed and really started deploying fiber optics in as early as 2003 in a commercial setting uh, in really the Peoria, Illinois area. Um, and then certainly a little bit later began uh, building fiber optics throughout the area to uh, serve residents as well as businesses. Uh, the most recent acquisition in uh, 2021 uh, from Renthouse Infrastructure Investors has really uh, changed our mission in terms of uh, the aggressiveness of our growth and expansion plans. Uh, they're infrastructure investors, so they tend to take a long-term view uh, of investments. Uh, this is not a, a quick in and out. And, um, you know, they've got a very clear uh, mission in terms of growth expectations and then where, where they want to take the business. Our, our history is really in central Illinois. Um, it started in the Peoria area and all the communities down to Champaign, Urbana, and Jacksonville, and Springfield. Um, so really our heart and soul and start is in, uh, is in central Illinois. They also acquired uh, a company back in 2018, a small company in Rhode Island, so they presence in Rhode Island. And we recently have expanded and are building in the greater St. Louis area. So those are really our three operating areas today. We've got a, a roadmap for future growth, but that's that's really where we operate um, today. Uh, we recently acquired a small company called Voicespring, uh, a commercial telephone business in uh, in Central Illinois, and they have just joined our company over the last couple of few weeks. And so we've got a very aggressive uh, plan for for growth and expansion uh, of our network uh, throughout our community. So we're pretty excited uh, about where our business is right now. When I came into the company, and it was very clear what ownership's mission was to be a long-term uh, provider in our communities. And that means really making sure we're building the business um, correctly and really putting uh, a high value on making sure that our, our efforts with our communities, uh, we're engaged in the communities, um, we're doing the right things with our customers, we're treating them fairly and certainly with our employees. And so they really had a mission to make sure that not only just grow the business, but do it in a way that um, builds sustainable relationships with the, our customers and, and with our communities. And so it was very clear to me, uh, Gary, coming in that um, we, we needed to have kind of a North Star for our employees with a clear mission, a clear vision, and set of core values. Um, when you're building a business and you're undergoing the amount of change and transformation, it gets pretty hectic. It gets, you know, pretty busy and you can sometimes lose sight of what those core values are and what the, the core mission is. And so it was very clear to us um, and how important it was to really articulate what our mission and our values were. And these really uh, are prominently displayed um, in all of our locations. Um, they're woven into every one of our employee communications. Um, in how we operate the business. They really anchor us to what we feel uh, is important about uh, operating this business and certainly um, 
service excellence. You know, in today's economy, price matters, um, Gary, but we know that uh, a price may get a customer, but it's really the service that keeps them on. And so uh, that's really been the core of, of our operating decisions that we want to be the best service provider out there. And then certainly acting with integrity, um, promoting diversity, not only with our employees, but in the communities we serve. We want to be a learning organization. We know that the business is changing, um, the environment constantly changes, and we need to keep up and evolve and make sure that we're continually, continually learning as well. So these core values, Gary, have been really important for our employees. And as I said, really keep us anchored as to what's important and um, making sure that uh, we stay aligned with these. So it's really been uh, a key part of our, our growth and development, Gary. We talked a little bit about, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the value and the importance of, um, of of the customer experience and the old saying, what gets measured gets managed. And so it was clear to us very early on that we needed a pulse to check in with our customers regularly. Um, how are we doing? Um, uh, as I said, the price will get folks signed up. It's really the service that's going to keep them. And so we implemented the uh, you know, the traditional net promoter score measurement system. And it's really been kind of one of our key metrics that as much as we look at the financials every month and we look at our uh, productivity measures, we also look at these NPS measures and how we're doing in the communities. And so we've got a very robust um, program in place to make sure we stay connected with our customers and we're constantly measuring throughout the course of their life cycle with us and getting that feedback. And most importantly, we're acting on it. Um, yeah, we've surprised several customers when, um, you know, you get a response back that's not really where you want it to be. We'll call them up and say, you know, what can we learn from this? How can we fix what went wrong? But how can we learn from this? And many customers are surprised and appreciative that um, we do that. So it's really been uh, a key part of our operating plan. Go to the next slide. I'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, we've done a lot to uh, around understanding the brand and, and certainly the brand is the overall impression of your company. And so we want to make sure that I3 broadband brand in the communities is recognized not only for the service we provide, but how are we engaging in the community? How are we perceived in the community as a business partner, as a part of your community? So that brand measurement has been very, very important to us to kind of guide uh, what we need to be doing and how we need to be doing better. Um, we'll send customer surveys throughout their life cycle with us after they sign up with us. How did that sales process go? How did the installation process go? And again, we uh, the verbatims on these, Gary, are as important to us as the score. And so we stay very close to these. Um, they're in every operational meeting we have with leadership. We go through the scores. We go through the verbatims. What did we hear? What did we learn? Uh, how is this influencing what we may to need, need to do differently? So it's really been an important um, process for us. And, you know, we regularly hold focus groups, Gary, before we go into a community, we'll do research in terms of understanding what their expectations of their broadband provider are. Um, so this connection with the community, this feedback channel, it's really been important to us. It has really, I, I would say, influenced our operations more than anything else we do. Um, and really cannot say enough about the learnings we get from these things. This is some of our, our scores that we're getting and we're really pleased. And, and you can see the earlier markets on markets one, two, and three, 
these are markets we've been operating in and servicing for a while. Um, the ones to the right are newer markets that we've entered. Um, and certainly that you can see the difference and some learnings as we go into a new market with construction and restoration of land, uh, properties, et cetera. But this is really, uh, as you can see, um, indicates the progress we've made and, and the focus we have on this. And really some impressive scores by our employees in terms of uh, satisfaction scores. Um, and certainly the high 60s is, is really, uh, it's a great place to be and we want to sustain that and obviously continue to build on it and do um, better. But I, again, I think these scores are really indication, um, Gary, of the priority we place on this and the importance we place on this. Gary, one of the things that we've built the foundation of our company plan and our company strategy on is to be engaged in the communities that we serve. We, we really do believe, as the saying goes, all business is local. And so we've made it a really special point to be involved in the communities and whether it's opening local offices, it's joining all the associations in the community. We try to hire employees specifically from the communities. Our call centers are local. Um, so we really want this to be a core part of our operating fabric. We've got some great examples of public-private partnerships with communities and communities like Champaign-Urbana. Uh, where we partnered with uh, the cities of Champaign and Urbana and uh, the University of Illinois. Um, we have a great partnership with them in terms of not only expanding broadband throughout the entire community, but how do we embrace and how do we drive adoption of, of broadband in the communities we serve. So that's an example. The city of Jacksonville, Illinois, is another example of a private-public partnership that we have in terms of ensuring that we get broadband built throughout the entire community, not just picking certain neighborhoods, but throughout the entire community. And those are just two examples, I think, Gary, of, of, of public-private partnerships that we've uh, entered into. And we've got others that we're in the process of working that uh, we'll be announcing soon. So this really, the community engagement is very, very important to us. And um, we want this business to be run locally by the local management teams in the communities they serve because they best understand the needs of the community. And it's not the same from community to community, depending on the individual circumstances. So, uh, again, I would say, Gary, this is this has really been a key, a key driver for us. And if you go one more slide, I will give you uh, an example of this. Um, so. There's a community that we serve in the Champaign area. It's, uh, it's a mobile home community that the, uh, the demographics were such that not a lot of folks could afford um, uh, the broadband connection. And so we worked with the city, we worked with um, uh, the community and you know, built a, a Wi-Fi network in there, free Wi-Fi network in there that allowed the residents to connect um, to Wi-Fi, even if they couldn't necessarily afford their own connection. We made sure in partnership with um, other organizations um, in Champaign to make this available. And I, I, I hear uh, feedback that this is making a difference so that kids uh, are able to connect um, to, to the internet and, and get work done, et cetera, while they couldn't have it necessarily, couldn't afford to get it even in their, in their own home situation. They did have it throughout the mobile home community. So I would point to this as just one example, Gary, of where this has really been a priority for us and uh, a commitment for us that we want to you know, continue to drive in all the communities we serve, not only in, in Champaign and Urbana. 
we, like everyone, has network interruptions and, you know, our lines will get dug up or by an excavator or something. And what we've tried to do, Gary, is be extremely transparent um, with, commun with communities and customers. And in those cases, uh, we're very proactive getting out there, acknowledging, hey, this happened, we apologize, applying credits. And we've gotten really good feedback from consumers that, you know, we've taken ownership of it, whether it's a, a situation we caused or not, we take ownership of it and um, we value, um, you know, the importance they place on broadband. We don't take it lightly and we want to be transparent with them. And so this is just an example, Gary, of one example where, you know, our lines get dug up. Um, we were all over it, communicated proactively, kept touch with the customers, applied a proactive credit without having to be asked, uh, just because we think it's part of a long-term relationship and not something uh, they should have to necessarily ask for. So this has really been our operating um, philosophy. Um, Gary, if you go to another part of it is when our ownership took over and I came into this company, really recognize the importance of the employee culture and really try to nurture and build a culture that recognized from the employees up, every employee that, you know, this is really about service. This is really about a service culture. And it's more than just showing up to work and punching in. It's really about the value of the services we provide in the communities. And broadband service, as we all know today, has really become a lifeline service. And so that really was something we um, ensured that every one of our employees, as they checked in every day to do their job, that they weren't just you know, driving a truck or installing a, a connection into a home. They were really providing uh, a vital service to people that allowed them to work, allowed the kids to get education. And so we've really tried to make it um, really part of the core mission of every employee that they see the bigger picture of what we're doing. And it's, 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 it's having, um, it's having an effect because employees have really embraced this. Um, they take pride in their work. They really feel that they're doing something important in the communities. And uh, we get great feedback from not only the customers, we get good feedback in our employee surveys that the employee uh, satisfaction surveys that they feel a part of something bigger than just uh, a paycheck. And so it, it's really been a key part of our mission, uh, Gary, uh, what we're trying to drive here. So. Uh, I don't know if um, there, there's any questions about things that we're up to, or I'm happy to talk a little bit more about our mission. Hey, Paul, thanks. This is great stuff. Um, so, you know, we got um, pinged by Wall Street about a year ago or so saying, can, you know, Fiber Broadband Association provide uh, net promoter scores, do some, you know, use our research to um, provide. Uh, net promoter scores from ISPs across the nation, because they what Wall Street wants to do is to use NPS to make investment decisions, um, as they feel that that's very very important to the success, you know, a telltale of which you're going to be successful and profitable ISPs. And um, you know, when we looked at it, our industry was the worst of every industry. We were, we were the very bottom. So evidently. Um, Consumers aren't real happy with ISPs in general, but we did notice that fiber providers were the best of the worst, and it's really great to see. So, what um, you know, kind of when you came in to take over, what really drove you to really focus on customer satisfaction and NPS? But you know, I 
it was very obvious um, that as competition in the space heats, heats up, and there's certainly a lot of government stimulus to bring people into the space, everybody's anxious to be in the broadband business. And we knew that this would be a very competitive market and that ultimately the most sustainable differentiator was really customer experience. We, we felt that you, know, you, you don't want to compete on price. That's not sustainable. Um, but we felt that customer experience really was the most sustainable kind of attribute that you can compete on. And it's really the most difficult for others to replicate unless it's really part of their core values, unless it's really a part of their key company mission. And, and so we recognized very early, Gary, not only to talk the talk about we're great at customer experience and just have kind of anecdotal examples, we realized we had to measure this. We had to hold ourselves accountable. And so one of the first things we did was uh, to invest in making sure that we had measurement systems in place that that, that held us accountable, that gave us insights as to what we're doing well and what we weren't doing well. And then it was it was clearly just making it as important as the PL at the end of the month to look at those scores and look at those verbatims and go through each one of them. What do we need to do differently? And um, it, it's made a difference. It, it's part of the uh, the discussions in the company. It's, it's part of our vernacular every day to talk about customer experience. So it's really about um, the, it's part of your cult company culture that you have to build, Gary, and it, it's it's made a difference here. Um, it really has. And, excuse me. I think our measurements show that that customers are responding well to it. Uh, as I say, culture um, you know, eats strategy for breakfast, so um, that's great. Um, so one of the things we've got a lot of questions bombing in here. So one, this is a comment, not really a question, but um, it says while every company will encounter mistakes. It's how the employees respond to the customer that's key. And it sounds like that your guys do that in spades. Huh? Yeah, they do. They take they take personal ownership. And again, that's been part of uh, our overall mission that, you know, you're not just getting a paycheck every week. You're really part of something bigger. And I think employees want to be a part of something important. They want to give back. And, and this is a way to do that with a vital service. And so they've really taken ownership. And it, it's really... It's really empowering to see um, employees step up and do stuff that just amaze you every day. Like, wow, they really went above and beyond. So it's been impressive. You know, I, I love like a rural electric co-ops and, um, you know, rural telephone co-ops because they are part of the community. You know, they their motivation is when they go to the ball game, they know all their neighbors are going to make some comment about, you know, when I hang out with their GMs and you walk in the restaurant, everybody knows their name and everybody is you know, they're fully accountable to the community for the services they deliver. And it sounds like your go local, make your businesses local, is helps to make no matter what um, expansions you do, that you will feel like a local company with local people there that um, are committed to their community. Yeah, and the, and the local market leaders run the business. They make the decisions because St. Louis is different than Central Illinois, that's different than Rhode Island. And, you know, to try to lead that from, a distant location you just miss the nuances of the market you miss the priorities of the market and so to the extent that you can have empowered local leadership influencing the overall strategy and making decisions i think that's really been the key to our success yeah i can't think of anything i hate worse than calling in to getting the auto attendant that puts me on you know to a huge menu to try to get to a live person that can help me so it's it's great 
Um, now, one of the questions is, what market areas are you going to next to expand, and what are the key decisions that your team makes to evaluate on the next market? Yeah, so I will not tell you where we're going next because uh, <laughs> we need to get the board all signed on on that. But I will tell you, we we have a very thought. I think we have a very thoughtful strategy as to where we want to go next, and um, there are readily available a number of kind of uh, market characteristics out there that you can get in terms of demographics, et cetera. And we've got a pattern, uh, an operating pattern, as you can see, going back a long time in markets we have operated in. So we use kind of um, predictive analysis, um, a mathematical kind of model we've built using previous um, performance against a set number of variables in markets we're going to to kind of predict where we think we might do well. And that's really helped us kind of, it, it's not an exact science. There's also kind of intuitive gut feels about where it might be a good place to operate, but we kind of try to mix both the science and gut together to predict those markets where we think we would be successful and where we think we'd be welcomed. And we also do research before we go into a market, consumer research to, uh, to assess the, um, the customer, potential customer expectations and what their needs are to make sure that we'd be a good fit. And, it's really worked well in the markets we've chosen to go into. Well, it looks like you have quite a, a, a fan club. Uh, so a comment came in that um, Paul um, preaches the practice. Um, I had the pleasure of working with him at Cox over 20 years ago. He ran the best service organization I've ever seen in the telecom business. One truly committed to his customers and staff. So that's quite a accolade. Um, so congratulations for that. Um, does i3 ever get asked um, what network gear they run internally? Uh, quality outside the walls um, also raises or relates to the quality inside the walls. Much. Maybe you could clarify that one for me, Gary. So I, I think it's this asking, um, you know, what you use internally versus externally on equipment. Uh, we're a Cisco network we use dzs kind of ont olts um so i'm not sure of the specifics beyond that that they have interest in but we feel very good about our cisco partnership um you know we think it's best in class and very pleased with it uh so other comments like your nps is great what are some of the particular initiatives that you found have helped to improve your scores directly I think um, one of the biggest things that's really helped us is to use the NPS and kind of identify from a training perspective, um, an employee coaching perspective, where we have opportunities. We're not a large organization, so we don't necessarily have a large in-house training department. Um, so a lot of it is in the moment coaching uh, by supervisors. And so I would tell you that using the NPS to really guide where our priorities need to be uh, in our coaching and in our development and training of our people has been, has really been uh, insightful and I think really made us uh, more effective in terms of developing employees. A lot, lots and lots of questions and comments. Um, I think you know, also someone wants to know if you're hiring, but um, I'd be, one of the questions is I'd be interested in hearing about uh, how you're getting the surveys out and what kind of customer response are you receiving? Um, we have a, we use a, 
I'm not sure I want to be plugging uh, <laughs> the company we use, but obviously we use an outside vendor that um, like a Qualtrics kind of company. Correct. That use that, that does our NPS surveys for us. Um, uh, you know, we make sure that there's the responses are statistically valid, that they're not, um, you know, too few responses to really act on. And so, um, again, we send them out after the sales transaction, we send them out after the installation transaction. And so um, we have pretty good open rates. And uh, as I say, I feel like they're, it's important to me that they're statistically valid. And, um, you know, so they're very, very credible and they're very actionable. And as I said, Gary, one of the things we do is we, we call customers back. Hey, thank you for the survey. Not only just send them an email, but we call them back and I see we didn't really satisfy your need there. And they're, first of all, they're shocked. You actually called them back. And um, secondly, what do I need to do to fix that? And, and that's worked out well. And um, I think if we stay true to that, you know, we'll do well as a business. Well, Paul, I'm sorry we're out of time, but um, first of all, congratulations to you and I3 for really um, you know, leading the industry and net promoter scores and really putting a hard focus on customer experience because I can't think of anything more important than, you know, I always like to think broadband's about people and treating people the way they should be treated is just paramount. So thank you for that. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us today and I look forward to getting back together next Wednesday we're going to be discussing over, overcoming permitting roadblocks to PV deployment. And so we're going to have um, the staff from the um, Energy and Commerce Committee from the U.S. Department of, or excuse me, U.S. House of Representatives um, to talk about the new legislation that's coming down on permitting, broadband permitting. So please bring your own ideas and any thoughts and questions because this is an opportunity to be able to speak to um, our lawmakers in real time and be able to get your input on the new permitting legislation that's going to be put in place to get our NTIB um, program deployed much more quicker. With that, um, thank you guys and we look forward to seeing you guys next Wednesday.